Man, probably a fun fact on me is that I like to read. Like I, I, I like to read. That's 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 a lost art nowadays. <laughs> oh, my great uncle is uh, Jesse Owens. He won four gold medals in 1936. I always want to leave people with this, man. To all the viewers and everybody out there, man, make sure you guys finish the story. Make sure you guys finish your journey because somebody's gonna need it. Yeah. All you gotta do is push the bad button. That's all you gotta do. Is push the back <laughs> Try not to think about the future too much, so you can maximize the now. Who's your favorite rap artist? Man, to be honest, it's crazy. Tupac always been my number one, right? Like he got, he got he got me through so much stuff, but Lil Wayne has been in the modern day. I said, what does it really take? What does it really take to be great, Drew? And he looked at me and he was like, you really want to know? And he was like, to be honest, everything you did to get here, you need to be consistent times 10. Hello, hello, everybody doing out there today. It's your boy, Coach Lee. Today is Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. And we have a very special interview set up for you all today. So I don't want y'all to get word and think, oh, they got the laws looking at me or I'm doing, I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. We're going to get educated in here today. We have a special guest for you all. We're very excited to, uh, to share her with you. But before we can do that, the man that sets everything up and the gas to make the engine go. What's happening, hey. man? Hey. Hey, 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 don't worry. Hey, hold on, let me act accordingly. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we in the, in the, you know, let me act accordingly. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, this should do. Oh, oh, Leroy. Don't say that Leroy without the junior. And man, like you say, we back on a different night for our interview. Normally we do it on Friday, but when you got greatness, you make room for greatness. So, no hey, you, you know, this is Women's History Month. And, you know, Sports Talk with Friends. STWF Media Group, the big brand. When we do it, we got to do it right. So we got to close it out with great women, not just women making history in the past, but women making history right now. So, man, we definitely, you know, we're going to get this thing going and we're going to bring Judge Sandra Cabrina Jenkins on the show with us. Let's call it up for Good evening. Thank you. No problem. I mean, I know that you know. I know the intro is a little bit different because you know I didn't have to stand. You know, I was, you know, I was, I, of course. I was like, I was, I was getting ready to stand. But uh, definitely want to thank you for hanging out with us. So uh, for our listeners, because um, this is going to be you know aired on all streaming podcasts, we're doing an interview with Judge Sandra Jenkins of Louisiana. So uh, thanks for hanging out. Um, thank you so for having did, me. So how did it feel not you know entering a room and not being you know, me standing up. Like, how, how does that feel? It feels great. You know, that's <laughs> one of the things that is makes me a little uncomfortable. It's like, okay, they're standing up. That's fine. Everybody can sit down. And I, I know it's just respect uh, of tradition and different things like that. But um, when I'm not in my robe, I don't expect anything other than, hey, Sandra, or my family and my close friends, hey, Cabrina, and you know, just deal with me as I am. Nice, nice, nice. I'm telling like, it wasn't until I started watching these shows that I've learned so much about the role, you know? So it's like, how, 
right, all right. I, you know, I, I don't want to give too much about the interview because we got a lot of stuff to uh, cover right now. But you know, what? How do you feel like you know? You say when you're not in your robe. So does that make you feel uncomfortable when you walk in? But you do appreciate that gesture of people standing up. I I do because that that's protocol for court. It makes me a little uncomfortable when people, you know, if they don't know who I am and then somebody say, this is judge. And then it's like, oh, my God, it's like, no, 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 I'm normal. Mm. And it, it does make me wonder. It's like, well, why are you treating me different now that you know I have a title? So um, just want people to understand and recognize that, yes, those of us that have elected offices, we are human and we prefer to be treated, you know, mm -hmm. normal like everyone else. But when we're wow. in our official role, then the honor and respect that comes with that is just natural. Now, this is for now. Hey, to our viewers, you know, one thing about our podcast uh, interviews is they're interactive. So if y'all want to say something, comment, just be careful because we're going to say it back. But <laughs> tell me, <laughs> like, so. Talking about like, and it's funny because that's just, you know, off air, you was like, I don't know much about sports, but you come on the air sounding like a lot of athletes. That's how they feel. You know, it's like once they figure out who they are, like, oh, you know, you know, and people they have a title. But wow, that's pretty cool. So before we get this interview started, one thing I have, especially coming from New Orleans, the home of the white tee. Because see, I had on a white tee before this interview. I want to let y'all know. And <laughs> you don't wear a white t-shirt to court. So no. how, how, is, how is that? How is what? Like, what is that, how did that come about? Like to, you know, not wear a t-shirt because some people, you know, that's all they have. Like, well, it's, it's, it's a matter of recognizing where you're going, the institution that you're entering, whether you believe in that institution or not, you know, whether or not you um, understand and know that there's structural racism, institutional racism, it's still a system that has been set up for order. So it's about respect and we should respect ourselves as our own institutions and act accordingly wherever we go. Agreed. Wow. All right. Hmm. Hey, let, let's get this thing started. So uh, <laughs> let's get this thing started. Oh, okay. oh. Exactly. Look, I was scared. Look, I was scared to say, like, you know, I had to go to tra traffic court and the guy wore his white shirt and whoo, that judge got hot and they he had he took a break. And I was like, you know, the guy behind me, like, look, if we get put behind there because he messed, made the judge mad, we're going to fight. <laughs> we're going to get it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, you know, so this being uh, March, you know, this is Women's History Month. Shout out to all the you know women that's doing it, have made history, you know, made history because it's not easy. So, you know, what does... Women's History Month mean to you? I'm, I'm excited. And I guess within the last 10 years, I, I've paid attention to it. I don't know how long we've been celebrating Women's History Month, but it is extremely important when we look at all the challenges that women had to endure and, and are still enduring. I mean, just last year, we celebrated the 100th year anniversary of voting rights for women. But when you look at that, it, it wasn't always for us. I mean, it wasn't for black women. Uh, women that weren't black could vote, but in all across this country, we weren't able to vote. When you look at um, 
the other challenge, the financial challenge is how we're not making the same amount of money. Our worth is not the same. When you look at the, um, the lack of protection of violence against us, sexual violence, mm -hmm. uh, any other type of violence, then you recognize and understand there are some great women and men, but great women that were pioneers that were advocate for other women so that we can be a little bit more comfortable now. And since COVID, I've watched more TV than I ever watched. <laughs> I started watching a lot of show, historical shows in um, during different periods in history. And I just said, wow, we had a rough way to go, you know, before uh, rights were recognized for women, even just human rights in general. So I'm excited that we do recognize the work of women and and dedicate a month to women's history. Wow. Agreed. Agreed. You know, because like yourself, you know, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a little afraid to admit this, but I had to be, I just found out about this, you know, to be honest, like I thought it was women appreciation month. I knew about March 8th, you know, but shout out to Sue. Right. She said, no, Ivan, it's appreciate, you know, it's history month. Right. I, I didn't know that. I was like, so, you know, like you said, it's good too that we're finally recognizing the strides that the women has made in not just any one industry, but all across the board. Right. So, wow. You know, with you being, you know, such a good leader, you know, woman, you know, strong woman, independent, how, what motivates and strengthens you? Because I'm telling you, like, I mean, sometimes when it's time for me to go to work, I roll over, I say, man, Lord, if the sun is out, I'm calling off. So it don't take much for me to uh, get not motivated and not, you know, and call off from work. But you cannot have that, you know, you don't have that luxury per se. So what motivates you and strengthens you to get up and, you know, do the job you do every day? I think my passion and vision, um, the practice of law or the, the legal profession is something that I wanted as a child, being a judge was something that I envisioned for myself as a child. So <clears throat> for it to have manifested is of course something that keeps me in it. And the struggles, however, that I had to be a judge running in elections where you were one of my little campaign leaders. <laughs> um, it was hard. It, it, it was, um, I would say sometimes I was embarrassed. Sometimes I was discouraged and kind of gave up. But it just was something inside of me that just kept saying, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. So just pushing for that. But that that's one of the things that that motivates me and strengthens me and just the opportunity to serve, the opportunity to uh, impart justice from my experience, um, from the where I've walked, not just my legal knowledge, but the, the things that I have done to lead up to me becoming a judge, my professional career and all those things. So that does strengthen me and watching other women, watching the success of other women and the challenges that other women overcome. Wow. Hey, look, I'm like, this China, you, you just keep dropping these bombs. Like, man, these nuggets, like, wow, that, that, that was strong. That was strong. Wow. You won't hear too many men saying, you know what? I'm watching this guy struggle and that motivates me. Nah, you know, nah. nah. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? So, yes, we're not nah. built like that. 
<laughs> you know? Okay. You won't admit that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Secretly, like, you, know, you might. <laughs> true. True. Yes. Wow. So, you know, with you being the judicial system, not just from the judge perspective as, you know, being a person that lays the law, you had to, you know, interpret the law, you had to explain the law as a lawyer, you know, so that was the old way, you know, like I'm a big fan of Perry Mason. So, you know, cause I, I was a wordsmith growing up and I thought, you know, and I was very argumentative. If you said the color was green, I said, no, it's yellow and blue, period. So, you know, that gave, that's the, you know, I got accustomed to the old law, a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. legal papers, yellow words, writing, but now with this pandemic, it's technology. Technology has been uh, actually correct. enforced, you know, it has been imp implemented in the judicial system. So yes. since this pandemic, you know, what effects, you know, has that had on the judicial system? Well, <clears throat> the first and I think most important thing, and I've heard other judges across this country talk about this, it forced the judiciary to self-examine itself and to look at what justice honestly looks like and to acknowledge that we had a lot of hoes and we, we talk about access to justice, but when we saw that physically we couldn't come together, then we recognized that we don't have the, um, the level of access that we want to or thought we did. So when you look at institutional racism, structural racism, when you look at, for example, um, if you have the hearing like traffic court, if you have to go to traffic court, um, what if you don't have access to internet and you miss your hearing? Are you going to have a bench warrant issued for you? Or are you going to be found in contempt and have to pay a fine? So getting the mindset of certain judges to understand that it doesn't have, it can't be punitive right now. Everybody is wow. not on an equal level. So because we're not on an equal level, we, we can't get served with a subpoena. We don't necessarily have the money to pay the phone bill. And if we do pay the phone bill, what is our data plan going to allow for it? Do we have internet mm -hmm. access? And then for those people that are fearful, of, there, there were some courts that you know, after a couple of months, it's like, okay, we, we're going to have court and your client has to show up. If your client doesn't show up, then that client is in contempt. But what if they have someone ill at home? What if they have the underlying condition? So we as the judiciary was forced to think about things that we never thought about before because of the difference in what was going on. But some of those same issues existed pre-pandemic. When you think about women um, with children that don't have childcare mm -hmm. and either they may be late for court or they show up with the baby and can't come in, they're found in contempt, all sorts of things mm -hmm. that happen that we forget or forgot and didn't understand that we should take into consideration when we're talking about justice, the administration of fair and impartial justice at that. Well, wow, I'll take this quick break, but, you know, you actually, you know, you made a good point because out here in Texas, you know, they're, they're in the month of March, they do a warrant roundup. So, yeah. So, you know, we don't have any. Uh... Not amnesty, but a roundup. Okay? <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wow. it's like, come on, get the party wagon. This is Texas. You know, they, they go, and this is how they roll. 
But this this year they did it differently. They did not do the Warren Roundup because of COVID, because mm -hmm. of you know pretty much what you were saying. It's like you know they don't have the you know those holes in the, in the judicial system. It's like everyone didn't have internet access. They didn't have this, and they're struggling trying to make those payments. So it's like wow, okay, you know. So you get you know I've seen the back end of what people are doing on the inside, and it's like you know I didn't even think of that because I was talking to me like yeah they're not doing that because of COVID. I said whoa, so I'm about to pay my tickets. So, well, first of all, they didn't have anywhere to hold them. Remember, you can't put people into one little setting. That's one of the main reasons, I'm sure. Ah, okay, okay. Hey, so, you know, we're going to be right back with more okay. Judge Jenkins. We're not going to, uh, you can't keep all these, uh, divulging all these nuggets in one second. So, y'all sit right back. We're going to take a quick uh, break. Hey guys, it's your girl Tamara Moore, former WNBA guard and current head coach at Masabi Range College. I want to give a big shout out to STWF Media, the big brand, for showing love and always being about those good sports. Make sure you guys show them love. You and your community can join them every week to talk about sports. Shouts out to them and make sure you check them out. Hey, y'all must be checking us out. Y'all didn't leave it. Y'all still back for more of your dude, Uncle Lee Roy. Don't say the Lee Roy without the junior. My guy, Coach Lee. And, you know, we're on our best behavior because we got the judge. It's hard, man. In the house with us. Just be yourself. Be yourself. <laughs> you know, and that's what we are. You know, that's what we are. You know, and that's what this thing, we want to definitely highlight that, you know, that, you know, judges, like you say, it's the role. You are a person, and you know, and that's what you know we're trying to highlight. So, wow, that that's some good stuff. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, um, one of the biggest things that uh, I've noticed that's changed with the judicial system is Zoom court. So, right. you know, there are a lot of uh, judges that you know, because back in the days, you know, it was these long uh, legal paper that was yellow, just wrote, 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 took your notes. So right. what's the transition with now not seeing the people? So, you know, because now I can wear my white t-shirt and y'all can't see it. So well, no. justice with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you some funny stories. Um, lawyers get in trouble on Zoom all the time. <laughs> you know, there's stories about people riding their bikes while they're doing their hearings. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, not dressing properly, sitting at the pool. It's like it's still court. We're just virtual. So the same honor and respect is due. But um our the I'm I'm on the, the appellate court, meaning that um our court hears cases from the trial court, like after someone's had a trial, if they are not satisfied with the judgment or the conviction, then they bring it to us as an appeal. So we basically just see the lawyers um, and the lawyers will, you know, we have it set up like we see each other right now. And, um, you know, it's a Zoom call, webinar call where the audience, the public, because we, we have to, we have to grant access to the public to courts. That's, that's required. And that was one of the big questions when um, the pandemic hit. How are you not going to vi violate a public court? Ah, so we yeah. had to figure all of that out, and we did. And another funny story, Mr. IT. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a case. 
there was a case in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 19th Judicial District, and it involved the Secretary of State and somebody else, some controversial case. So mm-hmm. anyway, whoever the parties were, one of the parties said, y'all get online, the public and stuff like that, and watch the hearing. It wasn't set up as a webinar where only the panelists can speak. Ooh. It was just a regular Zoom and they zoomed on in and oh, I mean, they started commenting during the hearing <laughs> like it was a spectator sport. I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I said, you see, we still don't understand. <laughs> that, that's just way above our heads how to do the technology sometimes. But we've gotten, our court is doing extremely well. We, uh, the courts are doing a lot better with Zoom now. <laughs> I'm like, I love technology and the, the usage of it and the misuse of it. So in a way, just to see how it fits. So before we move to the next question, who's the bailiff? Like in a Zoom call, you know, like if someone's cutting up, like who's the bailiff that tell them, hey, like how Whoever does that work? is the host for that call that can silence, mute them or remove them from the call. Okay. And now, our clerk of court is a representative from our clerk of court is on and they orchestrate everything. We sign in a little early to make sure everything is well with visual and the audio, the lawyers do the same. And then we do kind of like do all, we don't say all rise, but (laughs) they'll say the judges are entering and then we open up and they see our faces and the lawyers are already there. So it's still formality, but uh, we're not the panel of judges that sit, We're, we're not controlling anything. Someone else, wow. IT department is controlling it. Hey, shout out to the IT. That's what I thought this way for you. Gotta get a plug to the IT. But that was some great stuff. But, you know, like being a judge, you know, being a woman judge, you know, being around judges is intimidating. So, you know, being a woman judge, that has to be a unique situation because, you know, for mine to say, you know, women are loving and, you know, it's, you know, it's like, you know, your mom's like, how can you put your kid, you know, put these kids in jail or, you know, do some things. So being a woman judge, how is you, what is that unique situation like? Well, I'll, I'll say this as um, judges, we take an oath where we will be fair and impartial. We will, you know, interpret the law, not based on our emotions or anything personal, but what the law says through our interpretation. It is important to have diversity on the bench. Of course, diversity covers so many different things, gender, uh, race, your actual life experience. And when you don't have diversity, like women on the bench, you do see differences. Um, You will see differences in sentencing I'm not saying that women may sentence lesser than men. Uh, when I ran for Louisiana Supreme Court last year, one of the things I talked about constantly was my diversity as a criminal defense attorney for 15 years before I was elected to this bench. And that's not the norm for judges that get to the level of an appellate judge and then eventually to the highest court in that state. Typically, they are money lawyers, meaning that they are civil, they handle civil cases and or they were civil district court judges where they didn't hear any criminal cases. And the bulk of um, the cases that come to the highest court, even the intermediate court, our, our court, are criminal in nature. So 
when you've been a prosecutor like I was, and then a criminal defense attorney for the majority of your time, you bring in in diversity that you can't learn from a book. You can't get from your staff that does your legal research and gives you a report and says, this is what the law says. When you have been in criminal district court, when you have gone to the jails and you've interviewed your clients, when you have gone outside of the legal responsibilities and tried to get a mother, a grandmother to take custody of a child because her daughter is incarcerated, that's an experience that you bring to the bench with you. Not that you're gonna be biased and not that you're going to favor prosecution or defense, it's just something that is good that you can offer during your deliberations when you're thinking through these things and you're interpreting the law and you're thinking about sometimes what are, what's the overall consequences of my ruling if I rule this way? Wow. Wow. I, I, you know, you seem fair and impartial to me. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Wow. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that a lot of that came into, you know, figuring out which judge is going to be in on the bench or I didn't know that, but you know, something on the other side, you know, that yes, that is that, you know, a lot of women give lenient, more lenient uh, sentencing, you know, they give out different chances, you know, give uh, some, what is it? Um, they would give uh, rehabilitation versus jail sentences. So, wow, I didn't know that they actually had a structure, you know, for looking for that. I don't, I don't know if it's, I just think it's innate. I just think it's something that happens. And I, I still don't say that women give out um, more lenient sentences. Actually, there was a study to show that black judges sometimes gave out harsher sentences. But you got to remember, it's a political process. Judges get elected, and it's, it's just all sorts of stuff that comes in. When you look at the statistics, um, uh, if you, let's say you have an election next year and you are a sentencing judge, statistics show that those sentences are going to be harsher the year before your election because of some people that want to say, oh, I'm mm -hmm. tough on crime. So for that whole year, 18 months, People are suffering because of your desire to get reelected yeah. and not impart justice. Wow. Thank you for clearing that up because, you know, that's a that's a thick line, a great area for a lot of people that they don't, you know, they they don't get that explanation. So thank you for that. Wow. You're welcome. That's awesome. So, you know, you, you, you mentioned on your, you know, you know, on your um on your career prior to getting to the bench, uh, you know, you're a defense attorney, you're a prosecutor. Um, so what was the deciding factor in you becoming a judge? Like I said, um, I grew up in Baton Rouge. So let's see, we lived in Scotlandville, if anybody on that knows Baton That's Rouge, which is right there by Southern University. So my mom, she was in school there. She worked on campus. My dad, work part-time there and all that. So Southern University was everything to us. And it was during the heat of the civil rights movement, well, the 70s, mm -hmm. and I was in high school. So we had there. I saw all the student protests and different things like that. So I was always intrigued by that stuff and intrigued <clears throat> by the law. 
And um, I think that's a part of the molding. My mom worked at the law school when I was in high school. Mm. So once my parents got divorced, you know, we didn't have a car to, you know, run around and take everybody everywhere. So we got dumped off at the law school. So I begged my mom, let me go to class, let me go to class. And she set it up with a professor. And guess what class I got to go to? Criminal law. And I fell in love with criminal law. And that was it. So it was exposure, but it was also everything that was going on that I was paying attention to. For whatever reason, it just intrigued me as a, a young teenager. Wow. The legal challenges that we were facing. Exactly. Now, you know, you mentioned something I just want to speak on about the protest, how that intrigued you. And, you know, I was listening to uh, a podcast interview from Barack, or Barack um, past President Barack Obama, and he mentioned something about, you know, in his book about the protest. And he's like, he liked how the youth is protesting, but mm-hmm. it's the, but his concern are the people that be, the people that hold office, are they moving, are they expanding, you know, to for this new understanding? Right. So what do you, what do you think about because you know for instance you know if you know the insurance if, if these people filibuster to stop this it won't go all you know so what do you think about this new protest? I love that you know a lot of people in my generation and a little older talk about there's no leader but there there are leaders and what I see coming from the protests are that it is. Uh, affecting policy changes. Look at the Fortune 500 companies that boycotted um, Facebook that mm-hmm. took their advertisement money. That that was major. And it's mm-hmm. all because of a diverse group of people that came together on uh, one accord, one thinking of this is what we're protesting. We're not going to necessarily have the Malcolms or the kings or whatever other traditional type of leaders that we have, because we're diverse. Not that we weren't diverse in our thinking then, but it's a little different. And I I do love the youthfulness of it. And of course it was college students back then as well. College students, that age group has always been a catalyst for change, but I, I see that it is, affecting or infecting that's <laughs> um, policy and and that's the major thing yes economic boycotts were awesome back then mm-hmm. but the difference now is is like when this or these this young group of people across this world can shut down somebody's finances by millions and billions of dollars that's power that is power Agreed, agreed. And that and that's why I asked you that question because you know, that was a powerful question because you know, every every generation has to deal with protest. You know, and most leaders, most politicians, and you know, they have they embrace and have their perspective on protest because that's one of our rights, free speech. You know, so we definitely wanted to see that every generation exercising that and using and using it appropriately and effectively. Right. So wow, that was great that was some great nuggets right there. So Man, I'll tell you, like, uh, you know, we definitely want to know more about you. So, you know, we know you're um, you're heavily involved in the community. You've got some initiatives going, you know. So what are some projects that, you know, you're working on now currently and maybe that we can look forward and we can get involved in? 
Let's see. In 2015, I started what I call Judge Jenkins Law Camps, and it was my way of probably trying to overcome not being out there in court and defending people. <laughs> you can't practice law, but you know, it takes a minute to take that out of you. So anyway, um, I, I, find, I think it's important for the public to be educated. Actually, when the Ferguson incident occurred and everybody was in an uproar and they had all these commentators on TV talking about stuff that's totally wrong, you know, not understanding what the law says. I, I thought it was extremely important to educate the community. So I, we had this at my church at First Emanuel, and um, we had a law camp, and it was a criminal law camp. I brought in a representative from the U.S. Attorney's Office to the District Attorney's Office, public defender, criminal defense attorney, and um, I think I had the coroner there at that time. I can't remember. But we we just had a, a a conversation like a town hall in the church and wow. we educated on that and we talked about those things because people were really in an uproar and it was like a little over 100 people that showed up that may not be a lot to people but for that type of forum to happen and people will come to listen because everybody was watching everybody was listening mm -hmm. And it's, it's important to have an outlet to have that discussion with stakeholders. Agreed. And people that know, because, you know, one thing is funny because, you know, a lot of people let the media dictate right. and, and tell them, uh, you know, instead of a professional, someone that's trained and actually know the law and can say, okay, this is what's happening. So, wow, that was, wow, that was good. Ah, all right, so all I right. continue to do that. And, one of the projects that I'm working on is the opiate crisis, and it's getting worse and worse. Um, and people say, well, you know what? We had cocaine and crack and all that, but it doesn't matter. It's just affecting everyone. And there's so many accidental opiate overdose deaths that it is just, it's just it's devastating. So I am on the National Judicial Task Force for Opiate um faculty. So my responsibility is to teach judges in the state of Louisiana what's out there and to try to um, find the resources for courts to have that specialized. You know, we always had drug courts and mm -hmm. a little bit with mental health courts, but there is a move and there's lots of money being poured into that. And I don't know if people recognize this COVID thing that we're going through those persons that have recovered, but have complications and that were on the ventilators, according to what I read, of course, I'm not medical, but just to understand and know that there were high levels of medication that had to be administered to keep them comfortable. And then they talk about how then they got to go through the process of withdrawal, not everybody, but some of them. So it's just a dynamic that we definitely as a community have to educate ourselves on before, you know, somebody accidentally harms themselves or, you know, causes know. their lives. And, you know, to that, because a lot of people, you know, just like what you're saying on this thing about education, educating mm -hmm. people, that people don't know the vicious cycle of that. Because right. you know, one thing with Sports Talk with Friends, we try to feel or not just make an impact to the homeless community. So we... Mm -hmm have you know we encountered that so a lot of people that have opioid issues they're either gonna you know 
um, get in trouble or, you know, get killed, they're going to become homeless so that they can continue that, you know, continue that habit. And when we were down in New Orleans, it, it just hurt my heart because right under the uh, Claiborne Bridge, yeah. we were passing out food and some socks. And I went to another area. Oh, my gosh. It was just inundated with needles and pill mm -hmm. bottles. And, it, you know, I, was, I had to tell my yeah. grandma out there. I was like, hey, y'all watch where y'all stepping because you can step yeah. on the and it was just crazy. So shout out to you for, you know, noticing that and stepping up for that. Because, wow, that is definitely a crisis. It, it, it really is. And, you know, like, and, and that leads to mental health issues. That leads to, you know, a lot of, the, you know, uh, increased crime rates, increased everything. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting a little educated. Let me do a little bean and win a little new all these days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Um, tell us about your project. You've been in, you know, Shia, your career is just crazy. Like you've been in there for a long time. So, you know, what advice would you give to, you know, women practicing law? Um, maintain your integrity, especially if you, I was a solo practitioner and a lot of lawyers get in trouble because it's a hustle and you're struggling to make sure that everything is, first of all, you're getting, taking care of your clients. But like, think about the pandemic last year, you know, clients, there were no clients. So what do you do? But um, find a lawyer that will mentor you, someone that you can call and ask questions of. Don't, don't fear that learn from other lawyers, even, you know, learn from judges, go to court, sit there and watch. If you, if like, for example, if you have a child custody hearing, then go and sit in, in family court and watch what happens so that when it's your turn, then, you know, you'll know some of the pitfalls and some right. of the things that you may have to address, but it's very self, um, you have to be very self-motivated to practice law, especially as a solo practitioner. But when you're with, with a larger firm, sometimes it's a slightly easier because you have support staff. But just, you know, maintain your integrity, believe in yourself, be competent at all times and go out there and increase your network so your net worth can increase. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just That's love what that. I'm talking about. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Love it. So, you know, you've got a lot of great advice, you know, because you, you've been in the game a long time. So what was some of your the best advice that you received? Wow. Um, probably some of the stuff that I, I just said to, um, you know, take your time with your clients. Um, no shortcuts. Make sure that you're responsive to your clients. Um, because that, that causes us to get in trouble as lawyers when we don't return phone calls, when we forget to go to court, when we're not filing the things that we're supposed to be filing. And that goes with the integrity. If you don't love the law and you went to law school, then you just have to chalk it up as a loss and, uh, um, student loan that you shouldn't have had, but get out of the game because, <laughs> Law is very demanding. It's not a nine to five. It's not something that is glamorous like LA law was when I was in law school. It's like <laughs> law is a lot of grunt work. 
even if you're with a big firm, you have got to put the time in. And, and that was one of the things that um, I learned from others and, you know, getting right out of law school, I went into the DA's office. So I felt like a real lawyer because I had a little briefcase and I get to court, okay. go to court every day and I was trying cases. So that helped me get motivated and excited really quick because I felt like I was a lawyer because <laughs> <laughs> so, I was in court. They so, know everything, but I was in court. <laughs> well, I, I, I bet if selfies and cell phones were invented back then, you would have been with the duck lips like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look at me, I'm in court. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So with this sports talk with friends, you know, we recently did, uh, we, did a, we took a poll for women. Who was the woman goat? So, and sports mm -hmm. talk with friends, the woman goat was voted to be Serena Williams. Oh, really? So, yeah. So who's your woman goat? I, I have three categories. Okay, do I need to pick a Vanna White? <laughs> I know. <laughs> My political goat, women goat, goats are Stacey Abrams. Um, all of the the black female mayors that we were introduced to, their tenacity, their I'm not playing with y'all, we're going to save your lives. Just love seeing that. So wow. politically, all those yeah. mayors... Stacey Abrams, of course, Michelle Obama, and of course, our vice president. Judicially, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because of her commitment to women. And, and, and you asked me about that question about being a woman judge. She's an example of that. Um, and wow. my family, of course, my mother and my sister and women that are in spite of challenges or staying in there and, and doing what's best for them and their families. Wow. So a whole bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to clap it up like that. Cause that's, that's, that's goats, you know, that's mm -hmm. goats. And, you know, and I like how you put that out there that, you know, you have it branched off. That is real good. So that is real good. Um, and impressive and impressive. So I'm gonna tell you one of my uh, women goats. It's you. So, okay, what am I? So, well, you know, thank you. This, is, this is not the first time I've had you come on my platform. You know, you spoke at uh, Valina C. Jones because I was the save, uh, the save advisor, student against violence everywhere. And you oh, came wow. in as a lawyer at that time and you spoke to my class. So, you know, definitely, you know, you've motivated me and you've been, you know, you've been around for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know you it's keep talking. Now you mean you keep you said that the second time. Okay, I know how old I am. Because the only thing been around with me that long was bills. That's it. Like that's the only thing that's been around. So I'm like, wait, yeah, you've been around for a while. Yes. So definitely celebrating that. Because uh, yeah, two years and they're like, oh, screw, yeah, I will not deal with him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you you born in Baton Rouge, you live in Louisiana for I'm sorry, but you live in New Orleans for a long time. Um, what's your favorite sport? What's your favorite sport and team? Of course, the Saints. See, she even sounded defeated herself. I can't leave out the Pelicans and any team that Greg Monroe played for. That was he's my favorite the, team at the time. He's from except, my church. He's right, the guy who played for, for the Pistons. Played against the Pelicans. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, you know, one thing, um, all our interviews, because sports talk with friends, you know, people matter. And we're, you know, so we're powered by fans. 
So we asked all our interviews, what was your what was your most memorable fan moment? What was your biggest fan moment? So with you being in the judge, you know, in the law, so well, what was your biggest moment, fan moment as a judge? You know, I really try, you know, sports is great. I, I like football and stuff like that, but I try not to glorify it. But anyway, forgive uh, <laughs> me. But I, it made, because this is Women's History Month, I picked two women that inspire me and I'm a fan of. And Misty Copeland is one. She's the first African-American woman to be promoted to a principal dancer. She's a ballet in the American wow. Ballet Theater. And I read a little bit of her book and she talked about how she's like a Venus um, Williams, not Venus, Venus is thin. She's like a Serena. Her muscular mm -hmm. build was not such that ballet dancers had. Mm. So all those teachers would tell her, you can't do this, you can't do that because you're too heavy. Mm. So she said she would go home and just eat pizza and cry. <laughs> and then she would go right back to class. She said, you know, I know I, I can't eat pizza because my body is getting too heavy. But she's <clears throat> awesome. She is totally awesome. So wow. I love and I love that she shared that because there's so many little girls and teenagers that go through that same mm body shaming stuff and, and not comfortable with their image. And she's beautiful. So, and the other one is Simone Biles. I love her advocacy for foster care. I loved how she stood up and, you know, promoted protecting the young women when there was that little scandal with sexual misconduct. Mm -hmm. So those two women, and there, there are many others, but they are a fan moment for me because they are transparent and what they're saying helps young girls and young women. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's I like that. That's pretty cool. You know, Balls, Simone Balls, she she made one of Sports Talk with Friends uh, goat too. She was second. Okay. So, so uh, you know, ooh, ooh, you know, Sports Talk with Friends rock <laughs> with you. <laughs> so you know, like I said, you, you got you've been around. You know, you've traveled a while. Um, but everyone is like. New Orleans, people from New Orleans, been in New Orleans, they get it. It's like, it's an island love. You know, people from islands, like, they's like, you won't get it. If you ever been to an island, it's island love. Like Hawaii, all these, it's, it's different. It's like, the locals love their island. The locals love New Orleans. Like, yeah. as bad as it is, as crazy it is, you know. Uh, but, hey, definitely want to give a shout out to uh, my auntie, Kenya Williams, uh, and her That's ministry. Kenya. She's a minister. She's out there in Houston, but she's in New Orleans. She's hanging out, greeting. Okay. And uh, yes, Misty and Simone. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, appreciate you for hanging out. So, um, I love beignets. My biggest thing is beignets. That's one of my favorite. I enjoy just the whole get the powder all on me. You know, I enjoy going to the. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's not it. And one of my biggest things, you know, I like the New Orleans Jazz Festival. Jazz Festival. Jazz and. Heritage, Heritage Festival. Festival. After, uh, I've been in Dallas too long. I just seen horses and, you know, but that, yes, that was one of my favorite um, festivals in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. What's yours? Do you have it? Actually, the French Quarter Festival, because it's more spread out. You know, when you go to Jazz Fest, this is like, oh, everybody's clumped on top of each other. <laughs> but I love the um, French Quarter Fest because of the diversity, even though they have diversity at Jazz Fest, everybody's all over the place. You can go and stand over here and have your stages, get your food and different things like that. I also love, I don't think they had this when you were here, 
still living here. They do Wednesdays in the park in um, uh, between the federal courthouse. I can't think of the name of that park, but they'll have a live band and they'll have vendors out there. And I mean, they've come up with so many different festivals now, like the fried chicken festival. It's, it's incredible. So every spring through summer, we have festivals all over the place. So you can't okay. miss out. Right, so, so Judge, I got I got a circle background. We're gonna rewind this, you know. But you was like, you like, you busting some flows. You was like, you know, they got everything. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> you know, get some round way, you know. I'm Judge Jenkins no, on no, the no. business. <laughs> nice, but yeah, you know, it's fun. So, uh, Katie, she's still hanging out. Appreciate you, At. She says, uh, French French Quarter it Festival is. is more relaxed. It is and. It's funny because I've heard of it, but it wasn't as big and as popular as it is now. Right. It has grown tremendously. <laughs> so, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And, you know, one thing that I, you know, because I've only, I'm only able to attend uh, the Jet, well, I'm not Jet, I'm sorry, the French Quarter Festival from online, from the pictures that people post on social media. And it's, it looks fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's a lot of people coming together and just hanging out. Like, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. I like that. So, Man, hey, you know, all good things must come to an end, and, you know, our plane is descending. But before we let you go, before we let you go, you know, because, like I said it earlier, I grew up watching Perry Mason. And not the Perry Mason in color. I grew up watching the black and white Perry Mason. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, hey, watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Now who's old? (laughs) I'm freaking. What's your favorite law show? You know, because I live and breathe it when I practice for 23 years. I I didn't like those. I I didn't gravitate to them. Let's just put it that way. But I think I mentioned earlier, right before law school, while I was in law school, I used to watch this show called L.A. Law. And, you know, it's like a soap opera thing, but it made law look so glamorous and stuff like that. But it's like once we got out there, it's like this is such a lie. So, um. I don't gravitate to, especially the law and order, the victims unit and all that kind of issue, whatever it's called. SVU. Yeah. It just doesn't interest me because that's real for me or was real for me. Hey, uh, AT, I watched Murder, She Wrote. I used to watch that too growing up as a kid. I'm telling you. Yeah. Don't, you must have been watching reruns because that's a pretty old show too. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You ain't going to be talking about me though. <laughs> but yes, that's how that's how it is. Like I watch all those old shows. I still, I still remember the intro music to how it came on. But yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and it's funny because that's how it is with computers, you know, by me being in IT, you know, be like, I don't like computers after I get off of them. You know, it's like, don't talk to me about computers. You know, I don't even like computer shows. You know, I watch Vikings where there was no computers. (laughs) So I I understand that. I understand that. But um, wow, that was cool. Like, that was really cool. So before we let you go, um, Coach Lee, you have any questions? My turn, my turn. Yes, sir, I do. <laughs> so, um, what would you advise someone that? Am I speaking for myself? Just a question now. <laughs> what would you advise for someone that does not have a not so clean background that maybe want to um, get involved in elected um, politics? Hmm. 
politics is such a different animal in a different world. Um, first of all, I would tell that person to really question themselves. Do they really have a passion to serve? Because if you don't have the passion, just going through that political process can discourage you and make you not want to serve. Second, um, you have to know whether or not it's worth the risk for your name to be an attempt to tarnish it. And even they, they can do it even though it's not true. So if there are little skeletons in your closet, you have to make the decision is like, okay, fine, I'm going to own my truth. And then, you know, understand and know that there could be lies that are out there too. Can you handle that? And can you rebut it? Or are you in a financial position to be able to get your message out, you know, to rebut that? So it's, it's, I, I mean, if you have the passion and if it's your calling to be, of service through elected office, then go for it. Okay. Y'all heard it out there? <laughs> the word is rebuttal and money. <laughs> Trust me, I know about that and money never stopped me. So, you know, that's just advice. <laughs> I don't follow it. <laughs> um, what is your mentorship style? Um, just try to be frank with people when, you know, they approach me and uh, there's been a few young female lawyers that, um, you know, will call me and talk to me about things. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm having this conversation. Um, I'm just, I try to be as frank as possible as I can with them. So, uh, shout out. So, uh, Kenya Williams, she says, thank you, Judge Jenkins, for being an inspiration and empowering girls and women. Truly, you, you are black excellence. Hey, agree. Thank you. Agree. I appreciate that. Agree. And we appreciate you hanging out with us, like, for real. So, definitely. But what else you got? That's it? That's it? You're ready. Look, got one more. Got <laughs> one more. I like to do stuff in threes. <laughs> What is your ultimate career accomplishment? Wow. <laughs> um, I really, you know, I'm, I am in the judiciary. That was always a, a, one of the ultimate goals for me. But I, I'm going to say ministry. And mm. I would like to develop a little bit more in my ministry as as it relates to um what i do i i focus a lot on the marginalized women and girls especially um, women that have experienced violence through human trafficking through sexual violence and different things like that and just empowering women to know and understand their worth and the the healing process for women so if i could ultimately get it to that point where i feel like i have put a little dent in more than i have now then that that would be something that would make me very happy all right yes 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 yes, yes. that's my last question thank you it's been a pleasure it has been a pleasure hanging out with you guys on a Bible study night. I'm 10 minutes late, but that's okay. 
Hey, it's not, we're going to touch the grid. <laughs> we do appreciate it. So tell us, you know, you know, people that want to join your ministry, find out, you know, support and, you know, follow Judge Jenkins. How can they follow you? You know, how can let's they see. Contact? You know, I'm not good at this social media stuff. So let's see. <laughs> On Facebook, I have my whole name. <laughs> <laughs> Your name as well. Uh, I have my whole name on Facebook, and Instagram, Sandra Cabrina Jenkins. So on Facebook is Judge Sandra Cabrina Jenkins, and on Instagram is Sandra Cabrina Jenkins. So that's okay. it. Oh, 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 okay. What am I going to talk about? It's like, what is the tweet? <laughs> well, back when it was a D, Tweedledum? I mean, I don't know. But, no. but <laughs> exactly, don't know that whole tweet thing. Exactly. You know, I, I'm still trying to figure out tweet myself because I you can't put what I say in less than 200 words. I need all other characters. That's work. That's real work. <laughs> exactly. So definitely appreciate, you know, you for hanging out with us. And after all great interviews, we asked, you know, can you close out? Can you close out our show? You wanna, are you ready to close it out? Do the close. It just thank you for hanging out. You can't. <laughs> No, I really have enjoyed this time with you all. And I, I think it's a great venue. You, you, I keep talking about diversity. I would never have thought you would have bought a judge on a sports show, even though I didn't talk that much about sports. But um, That's what we do. I, I think it's awesome. And you have to figure out how to reach the masses. And once you figure out how to do that successfully, then that's when we continue to see the movement going forth and the the positive repercussions from that. So it's my prayer that we continue as a community to come together, that the violence ceases, the poverty ceases, and that people that are in elected office understand the awesome responsibility that God has allowed them to be in and to behave themselves and care about people. Just like that. And so with Sports Talk with Friends, you take when the pandemic hit, there was no sports, and it was just talk with friends. And that's what we do. Yeah. We're talking with friends. And our time to talk has ended. So right now, we about to go to do Uncle Leroy. Don't say the Leroy without the junior. Thanks, Sandra, Cabrina Jenkins, Judge Jenkins, Coach Lee. Take us out.